Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Your Community Spirit, coming at you on your community radio, 91.1 FM, Community Radio for Southern Illinois. My name is Tree Song. I will be your host today. <laughs> uh, we, we may or may not get a call in from Orr later. He's off on another landmass way across the ocean. So depending on how, how the interwebs and the events in other places happen, we may or may not hear from him. But in the meantime, we've got plenty of, plenty of news and happenings to get to. Here's a big bit of news that came up in New York. Frackers banned from New York for at least another year. Good news, New Yorkers. Your state has staved off the creepy advances of environment-trashing frackers for at least another year. While neighboring states have allowed oil and gas companies to frack freely in their Marcellus Shale deposits, the Empire State declared a statewide moratorium in 2008, saying it needed time to study the impacts to water supplies and human health. You mean people study those things? Like they figure out whether or not something is going to poison the entire states? Oh, that's kind of, that's kind of impressive. They're progressive over there in the Empire State. The ban has attracted lawsuits from the energy industry, but fracking is so unpopular in New York that dozens of local governments have put their own bans in place, just in case the state ban is lifted. That doesn't seem likely though, at least not before April of next year. Joe Martins, who heads the Environment Conservation Department, told lawmakers in Albany that Governor Andrew Cuomo's proposed $137 billion budget doesn't have any funding at all for oversight of high-volume hydraulic fracturing. Asked if he'll end the more than five-year wait for fracking rules, Martin said, quote, We have absolutely no plans to do so in the next fiscal year, which begins on April 1st. Needless to say, the news triggered a fresh burst of histrionics from the energy sector. Here's my, my favorite quote I've read in a while from the energy sector. <laughs> quote, the human cost to New York due to arbitrary delays on this matter is real, a New York State Petroleum Council officer told Bloomberg. The human cost? They're talking about the human cost of not fracking? <laughs> Maybe they haven't been reading the same studies that I have. Not sure exactly what that means, but, uh, well, I, I guess, you know, we're going to have at least another year of frack-free New York, so I guess we'll find out exactly what the human costs of that are. I suspect it will involve a lot of people not drinking poison water and not having earthquakes. In other news, apparently bans can go both ways. Anti-fracking activists barred from 312.5 square miles of Pennsylvania. I'd reread that number just because it seems kind of crazy. Vera Scroggins, an outspoken opponent of fracking, is legally barred from the new county hospital. Also off limits, unless she wants to risk fines and arrest, are the Chinese restaurant where she takes her grandchildren, 
the supermarkets and drugstores where she shops, the animal shelter where she adopted her Yorkshire Terrier, bowling alley, the cycling center, golf clubs, you, you get the picture. In total, 312.5 square miles are now a no-go area for Scroggins, a new sweeping court order granted by a local judge that bars her from any properties owned or leased by one of the biggest drillers in the Pennsylvania natural gas rush, Cabot Oil and Gas. Quote, They might as well have put an ankle bracelet on me with a GPS on it and be able to track me wherever I go, Scroggins said. I feel like I am in some, I'm some kind of prisoner, that my rights have been curtailed, have been restricted. The ban represents one of the most extreme measures taken by the oil and gas industry to date against protesters like Scroggins, who has operated peacefully and within the law. Yeah, I've seen videos of her. We have a video linked to in the newsletter. If you email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org, we can send you the newsletter. But yeah, she goes there, she gives a little tour, she pretty much stays on the periphery of the site and says, this is fracking, this is what it looks like. Here's that big tower over there, all the chemical trucks. She She's a non-violence, peaceful demonstrator and educator. But this is what it's gotten her. On October 21st, the case of Cabot versus Scroggins came before a local judge. Cabot turned up with four lawyers and nine witnesses, employees of the company, and the firm it hires to provide security. That kind of seems like a conflict of interest to me, but that's just me, I suppose. Scroggins represented herself. She told the court she'd been unable to find a lawyer because the hearing was set. She was only given 72 hours notice of the hearing. By the time it was over, the judge had granted Cabot a temporary injunction barring Scroggins from all property owned or leased by the company. Cabot says it holds leases on 200,000 acres of land, equivalent to 312.5 square miles. That amounts to nearly 40% of the largely rural county in northeastern Pennsylvania, where Scroggins lives, and where Cabot does most of its drilling. So imagine that you can't go to like 40% of the county you live in, because you decided to say fracking has negative health impacts. So the temporary injunction does not require Cabot to identify or map the lands where it holds drilling leases, putting Scroggins in the bizarre position of having to figure out for herself which areas were off-limits. So you can't come on land that we've leased, and we're not going to tell you what land that is, so get to go to the county office and hope we haven't leased the county office. So Scroggins, who now has a lawyer, is fighting to overturn the injunction. Environmental groups say the court and Cabot went too far. Quote, it seems to be an extraordinarily heavy-handed reaction by industry, and one which was extremely out of proportion to what she was doing, said Kate Sinding, a lawyer from the National Resources Defense Council. Yep, that's that's the consequence for talking to people about fracking, apparently. But they're contesting it, and, well, they should. Uh, on Light on the Law, before this, they had a, a talk with the Supreme Court justices, so I, I wonder if this is the sort of thing they'll ever hear about. Honestly, it may get struck down before it gets anywhere near the Supreme Court. That seems like quite a ridiculous order. But I will definitely keep you posted if I hear any more news on this story.
In other news, here's something that might be of significance. Thousands of Californians are about to run out of water. I've heard water is important to some people, you know. I'm not sure why exactly, but some people care about water. All Californians are being asked to cut back on their water use to help the state survive its drought emergency. But for members of 17 communities across the state, such reductions might not be voluntary. They're in danger of running completely dry in the next few months. Officials in these communities are considering the very real possibility that they'll need to truck in water or even install portable desalinization equipment. 17 vulnerable water systems serve as many as 11,000 residents apiece. Though the the tiniest of these serves just 39 people. But still, it adds up to tens of thousands of people overall. In some communities, wells are running dry. In others, reservoirs are nearly empty. Some have long-running problems that predate the drought. Quote, as the drought goes on, there will be more communities at risk of running out of water that probably show up on the list, said Dave Mazera, Acting Drinking Water Division Chief for the State Department of Public Health. Now, California is finally receiving some winter storms that may add a little bit of precipitation, but it won't be nearly enough to quench the state's dire thirst for water. So, beware of droughts. In other news, ABC, CBS, and NBC Nightly News covered climate for less than two hours in 2013. Now, that's not less than two hours on one night or one week or one month. That is less than two hours among them all for one year. If you got all your news from television, you might not even know the planet's warming. Altogether, ABC, CBS, and NBC reported on global warming for nearly an hour and 42 minutes during their nightly newscasts in 2013. Media Matters reported recently. Out of a year's worth of coverage, the Sunday shows focused on climate change for 27 minutes. I mean, it seems like a year's worth, like the Sunday shows, that's 52 shows, uh, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, Nightly News. You'd think they would just accidentally talk about it for more than that length of time. When you see figures like that, it can be tempting to just find a television and go yell at it. Ah. The problem is, though, it would just keep yelling back at you about Justin Bieber, the Super Bowl, or what the weather is like today. Not the climate, mind you, the weather. (laughs) So members of the new Senate Climate Action Task Force went a step further, yelling at the network bosses about their pitiful climate coverage. In letter form, of course. We are writing to express our deep concern about the lack of attention to climate change on such Sunday news shows as this ABC's This Week, Meet the Press, Face the Nation, Fox News Sunday. Senator Bernie Sanders and eight Democratic lawmakers wrote in a January 16th letter to the heads of the networks. We are more than aware that major fossil fuel companies spend significant amounts of money advertising on your networks, the senators wrote. We hope this is not influencing your decision about the subjects discussed uh, or the guests who appear on your network programming. Surely not. How could they even accuse them of such a thing? The letter caught the attention of at least one of these network bosses. Huffington Post reports that CBS News President David Rhodes will meet with Sanders and Senator Brian Schatz from Hawaii on Wednesday. Well, here's hoping that this talk is full of more than hot air. I mean, there's plenty of hot air out there already, so we don't need any more of it.
other news, Obama's energy strategy draws sharp criticism from green groups as oil and gas takes center stage. President Barack Obama is sticking to a fossil fuel-dependent energy policy, delivering a blow to months-long behind-the-scenes effort by nearly every major environmental group to convince the White House that the policy is at odds with his, his stated goals on global warming. Days before Obama's State of the Union speech, the heads of 18 environmental groups sent a letter to the president that had been long in the works, saying his policy doesn't make any sense. They see a contradiction in increased American production of energy from oil and natural gas at the same time the government is attempting to reduce pollution blamed for global warming. Quote, We believe that continued reliance on an all-of-the-above energy strategy would be fundamentally at odds with your goal of cutting carbon pollution, they wrote. But in his Tuesday night speech, Obama proclaimed that embracing all forms of energy, even carbon pollution fossil fuels, such as oil and natural gas, is working. And I'm not even going to read his quote. Uh, he, he didn't say anything new. The new thing is that the 18 environmental groups have sent a letter, you know, some of whom have supported him in the past because he says things about climate, but they're starting to realize that he doesn't always do things that are good for the climate. So they sent him a sternly worded letter about the fact. And I imagine there may be more protests in the future. We will definitely follow that story. other news, Midwestern farmers harvesting solar power. It's not just milk, cereal, and soy that's being produced on Midwest farms. Increasingly, farmers in the region are also harvesting their own solar power. That's according to a report in Midwest Energy News. Solar installations have been taking off in many areas of the Midwest, but perhaps nowhere more or so than in farm country. Quote, it's a huge buzz now throughout the agriculture industry, said Todd Miller, sales director for CB Solar in Ankeny, Iowa. Midwest is generally a conservative place, and today's conservatives generally tend to reject renewable energy for whatever reasons that are still mysterious to me. So what is it about farms that has the reason region's growers so eager to reap the power from the sun? For one, farms tend to use a lot of power, with monthly electric bills sometimes running in the thousands of dollars. So they put some serious thought into where all that's coming from at least hopefully if they want to mind their budgets. Many farmers have also also have barns with roofs that lend themselves well to holding up solar panels. And if there's not a suitable roof, there's usually plenty of space for a freestanding array. In addition, farmers are accustomed to thinking long-term and investing in their business. Many of them have been maintaining a farm in their family for generations and expect it to continue as a family-owned enterprise that will reap the benefits of investment in solar energy for decades to come. And they tend to be an independent lots who like the prospect of producing their own power. So it's also, I also think of it in the terms of 
the farm itself, the food that they're growing, is harvesting solar energy. The sun comes and feeds the plants, and they harvest the plants and sell those. So they know the power of the sun. Now all they have to do is get their electricity from that power. It might be time for Midwest politicians to start listening to their farmers. Let's get to some holidays and happenings. Holidays we have coming up. We have Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day. Now, I don't know if that means appreciated as a, a fine, durable packing material or have fun popping the bubbles in the bubble wrap. But it's Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day. It's also Inspire Your Heart with the Arts Day. So get out there and learn about all the wonderful arts in Southern Illinois. Or if you're listening on the Internet, learn about the arts in your community. Other days coming up. Saturday is Working Naked Day. Now, a lot of people will be at home for Saturday, so they may celebrate Working Naked Day from home. But uh, maybe an exciting day out there if, if you know, if you're working on a Saturday. Coming up on Sunday, we have a lot of holidays. We have Candle Mass. We have Groundhog's Day. It's not just a movie. It's a holiday. We have, I, I like the movie, though. We have Hedgehog Day. I didn't know it was also Hedgehog Day. We have the Wiccan holiday of Imbolc. It's also National Girls and Women in Sports Day. All right, some other holidays. The Chinese New Year is coming up. We've also got, we've got the, oh, the birthday of Norman Rockwell is coming up as well on Monday. Tuesday is American Dental Association Give Kids a Smile program. It's the anniversary of that, and uh, and yeah, it's very important. Dental, dental care, dental health. Take care of your teeth while you got them. It's too bad that our country seems to view dental health as somehow unrelated to other forms of health. It doesn't cover it for whatever reasons, but because of that, it's good to take care of your teeth. And oddly enough, it's also Bubblegum Day. There's mixed reviews of bubblegum by dentists, but there it is. It's also Weather Person's Day on Wednesday. And Weather Persons Day, there's also a movement among weather persons to to have important discussions about the climate. Because even though meteorologists are not climatologists, sometimes people look to them for information on this. And some of them have been spreading climate change denial information. So there is a growing movement of weather people, meteorologists, who make a point of, of saying something about climate change so that people know the science is there, it does back it up, and it is starting to happen. And to understand the complex relationship between weather and climate that, you know, someone who's not a scientist may not get without a little help. 
All right, coming up on Thursday, it's the birthday of President Ronald Reagan. It's also the birthday of Babe Ruth and Bob Marley. Well, what an odd combination that would be, the three of them around a dinner table. <laughs> I wonder what they would even talk about. All right, let's get to some of these happenings. Carbondale and Southern Illinois and the world are happening places. If you have happenings to send our way, send them to us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Coming up tonight, we have open mic nights every Friday at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. when SIU is in session. That's over at Guy House Interfaith Center. Express yourself in a comfortable, coffeehouse-style environment. Everyone's invited. Poets, musicians, storytellers, dancers, and more. That's over at 913 South Illinois in Carbondale. It's a pretty good time. Other events going on. We have the Carbondale Community Farmers Market. That happens on Saturdays, February February 1st is the next one. That's tomorrow from 9 a.m. to noon at Carbondale Community High School. They are now accepting the link card. We've mentioned this before. The, uh, the, they're accepting the link benefits over at the Carbondale Community Farmers Market. So you can get healthy, fresh food with those dollars. Some other events we have coming up. We have game nights. Game night is a fun one. That's over at Guy House Interfaith Center on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Start the new year right with game nights. I just went to that uh, this week, actually. It was a really fun time. People come, they bring whatever games they have, and there's a set of games at Guy House that they keep there on store. But other people bring their games, too, and they decide among the games they have what they want to play. Unless, you know, for a little while, however long people want to stay, it's a good time. All right, other events coming up. We have coming up at another Guy House Interfaith Center event, but this is in partnership with the Women's Center. This event is Human Trafficking and Sexual Violence. This is a discussion on Wednesday, next Wednesday, February 5th, at 7 p.m., at Guy House Interfaith Center. Human trafficking is a form of modern-day slavery where people profit from the control and exploitation of others. Learn more about the prevalence of human trafficking in the United States, how to recognize indicators of human trafficking, and how these issues intersect with sexual violence. Resources for responding to and learning more about human trafficking will also be shared. This is sponsored by the Guy House and facilitated by Dr. Jen Freitag, Prevention Educator, in Rape Crisis Services at the Women's Center. For more information, you can contact Dr. Freitag at 618-549-4807, extension 251. Yeah, and that's a very important issue. One of the reasons why I like highlighting that is, for whatever reasons, people in the U.S. often mistakenly believe it's a problem of other countries. They think, oh, you know, we had the Emancipation Proclamation here. There's no longer any sort of slavery, indentured servitude, you know, that sort of thing, but there is it's still out there, and so we still need to deal with it. It's happening right here in our communities, our state, our nation, and you can come to this event and learn more about what we can do and how to recognize the signs. All right, it looks like we've got time for one more happening here. This is this is a fun one. This is the taste of chocolates. It's coming up on Friday, February 7th from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. Join the Women's Center for their tasty annual fundraiser. This year's event will feature a wonderland of winter, complete with delicious chocolate treats from local vendors. The event raises money to help 
the Women's Center continue their mission to end domestic violence and sexual assault in Southern Illinois. It seems like a win-win situation. You know, I love chocolate. There's going to be chocolate there. It's going to be a big party. All the proceeds go to support the Women's Center. How can you miss on that one? It's coming up on Friday, February 7th. That's uh, not not today, obviously, but a week from today at 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Carboneo Civic Center. For more information on this, you can call 618-549-4807, extension 228. All right, well, this has once again been an exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirit. I've had a good time sharing all this news and these happenings with you, even some of the news that's difficult. It's still good to talk about it and figure out what we can do to make a difference. Any happenings you want to send our way, you can send those to info at yourcommunityspirit.org. In the meantime, it's a little warmer today. It's not it's not balmy summer weather, but it's not cold, freezing death out there. So uh, enjoy it while it lasts, and we will see you here next week on the radio.